guys, welcome to Nathan K. Gingerbread Podcast. On the couch today, I've got Zoe Aston from Your Mental Health Workout. Hello, nice to see you all. It's great to have you back. It's round, yes. round, round, round two. two. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> let's, let's take it back further. So, yeah. psychologist? No, yeah. psychotherapist. Psychotherapist. I mean, my master's in psychology, but I work as a psychotherapist and mental health consultant. So if any of you don't know or didn't watch the first one, go follow at Your Mental Health Workout on Instagram. It is fabulous. But I want to take you back. So people that don't know who you are, yeah. this all started from your own experiences, right? Yeah. So, I mean, my entrance into therapy was sort of out of my own, born out of my own experiences, struggles mm. with mental health. And I was like, I was a dancer and then I, uh, I ended up for, because due to sort of eating disorders and self-harm and some other bits and pieces that were going on, um, I got quite a lot of help quite young and I was like, what am I doing with my life? Um, and I thought, I really like therapy. <laughs> so um, I basically decided to go back to, you need to do um, my master's in psychology. Yeah. Um, primarily addiction, psychology and counselling. And then I specialised in addictions and eating disorders, trained up as a trauma therapist um, worked as a therapist in a treatment centre for a very long time and then last year kind of went out on my own um, stumbled across this kind of gap in the market around <laughs> where should I pick up from? Stumbled across. Okay. Stumbled across this kind of gap in the market around mental health workouts um, and kind of hit the ground running in terms of the way that people have bought into the idea and found it an easy way to access looking after your mental health. Do you think it's a lot more acceptable now? Well, it should be, it should never have not been acceptable, but do you think it's a lot more, um, people are a lot more open about talking about their feelings and how, how important it is to talk about themselves? Because yeah. before there was a massive stigma, it was all about, you should have a shrink. Yeah. And like the minute you say shrink, you sort of think yeah. you've got something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, people are more open about it. I do some work with Lululemon at the moment and... I'm so, I'm so, when I go in and work with a team that is so connected with their emotions in the way that they are, I'm like, wow, things are changing. But there is still taboo and stigma around particular ways of talking or topics or, you know, particular generations or different age groups have different attitudes towards things. And that's kind of, that's still around. But I'm hoping with what I'm doing, what I, I'm kind of making the idea digestible for as many people as possible. So, yeah. you know, the whole point of it is that it is programmed like a physical workout, which I know most people can look at and understand how to apply. Yes. So the idea is that people already know how to digest a workout and understand and put it into action and change their lifestyle around it. And the same thing can be done for your mental health. But the difference is that we can't see it. Yes, and true. We're a bit frightened of things that we can't see. So because you can't see your leg moving or your arms moving or your body shape changing, it feels a little bit less rewarding and a little bit more scary, which makes it more of a, I suppose, more of a challenge. How do you think we can overcome our fears of actually sort of making that first step to talking about our problems and how we actually feel and overcoming our own mental health issues? What, how can we make that first step? What's the, what do you think is the easiest way? Well, I think the main thing that gets in the way is how we judge ourselves. So, so often I'll work with a new group of people and I'll be like, okay, that's fine, just don't judge it. And they're like, and then they realise they've been judging themselves and yeah. that's what keeps them quiet. Because often day, oftentimes, these days, people are, I find people to be less judgmental because there's less stigma and there's less taboo and there's less um, negative connotations attached to 
mental health words, yeah. disorders, illnesses, whatever you want to call them, um, but we still judge ourselves quite harshly. Um, and yet, if you say to someone, well, if someone else had said that, what would you think? Would you judge them? And they'd be like, no, absolutely not. I just want to help them. I'm like, well, exactly. So the main thing that blocks people is their own judgments. People love to help each other, don't they? Yeah. As in people love to feel important enough to be able to say, yeah. I can offer help. It's really strange. But then we don't want to show that our, we've got a weakness by showing that we've got our own yeah. fears. But I think that's part of the problem. You, I try not to use the word weakness. Yeah, sure. I try, I try, I'm trying to think of another word, but at the moment I sort of use like limitations or vulnerabilities. Because yeah. if you're... I suppose if you're training physically, you would work on the weakest part of your body to strengthen it up. Yeah. You'd work, you work on the things that, are, that don't feel easy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay because you know categorically that if you work on that muscle, you're going to be able to strengthen it up. And yeah. the same goes for our minds. But for some reason, the word weakness in, in relationship to our minds feels much more judgmental and shamey than having, say, weak upper body strength. Of course, absolutely. Um, because we don't know, we don't automatically know that there's something that we can do about that. Okay. Does so, that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but how can you get someone to then, what is the first step that they need to take? So right now, say for instance, I'm in myself, I'm feeling down. Yeah. Where do I go to to look for help? Well, I always say the first thing is that you have to ask, you have to be able to ask for help. But from where? Who? Because yeah. I guarantee there's a lots of men out there, and I spoke to one of them up here recently, yeah. and he was scared to speak to his best mate yeah. because he was afraid that his, what his friend would think of him. Yeah. He were, he didn't want to go to a, a shrink or yeah. you know a, a therapist or anything like that. Where would you think? Where do you think is the easiest place for someone to go? Do you think it's online? Um, well, I would always say to someone. Go somewhere confidential. Don't you don't talk to your family and friends. If you've got if you're embarrassed about something, go to someone who you don't know, who you've got I've, no relationship with. That's yeah. why therapists exist, basically. But if someone didn't want to go into therapy, the I think the social media platforms that are out there and my I have a particular emphasis on this when I talk about the mental health workout as a program because the first thing I say is go to therapy. Yeah. What I mean by that is any form of self reflection. And I think some of the social media accounts, YouTube accounts, Instagram accounts, you can chat to people. You know, I often have short conversations with people who have got a specific question or they just need a little bit of a encouragement or a boost to be able to go and do something. Yeah. I've had conversations, really moving conversations, well, <laughs> chats yeah. with people on Instagram who have got something they want to be able to tell their therapist, but it's too difficult face to face. It's easier for them to write it down. Wow. So. Um, I'm thinking of one in particular, but the person told me something that she hadn't been able to tell her therapist and through writing it down and sending it in, obviously it's held confidentially in my um, sphere, of but um, she was then able to go and talk to her therapist about it. That's nice. So writing it um, down first helped yeah, her. Yeah, sometimes that really works. But ultimately, someone who's embarrassed or doesn't want to go and seek therapy, that's, you know, some of that is you've got to, you know, get your pride out of the way yeah. and it ask is. for help taking your ego out of it yeah. yeah and just right give me an idea of a good mental health sort of hygiene routine if that makes sense so I've asked this before and I wonder if anything has changed because people out there were like we'll wake up in the morning they'll have a drink they'll have something healthy to eat they'll go to yeah. the gym they'll get fit whatever it might be yeah. it's all about the physical side but what yeah. can they do for mental side of it so I divide the mental the standard mental health workout into two parts into weekly and daily so there are big weekly activities that you can do therapy um, therapy, social events, 
exercise and self-care. Mm -hmm. So I, I just do it in one, two, three, four. It's really easy to remember. Go to therapy once a week. Not forever. No. You can just go for a little bit. Go for like five weeks, six weeks, see if you like it. If you don't, you don't have to. You're not stuck there forever. Just True. go see what it's like. Um, t social events are really important mm -hmm. because they act as like a diagnostic tool to tell us how we are. If I stay at home all week, I don't really know how I am because I'm not in relationship with other people and True. we're pre-programmed to be in relationship and be connecting with other human beings. So yeah. if I'm not doing that, I'm just stuck in my own head making up my own stories about life. Yeah. So social events are really important. Um, they also will tell you where your the limitations and struggles are um, and what in relationships, and you can take that to therapy. Mm -hmm. Exercise three times a week. I mean, that's standard across the board, like good mental health hygiene. Um, moving your body really helps. There's loads of science behind that, and I could talk for hours on it. So I won't really? No, no, now. sure. Yeah. But... but yeah, no, okay. there's, there's, there's so much research on the benefits of... Um, the benefits to the brain, benefits of exercise on mental health, but also I've started to look into what's actually happening while we're exercising mm -hmm. and the, the really fascinating things that go on in the biochemistry of the mind um, and how part of my job at the moment is working out how we can apply interventions, therapeutic interventions into the fitness world yeah. so that people are working on their body and their mind at the same time, wow. not just, just as a byproduct of, of each other. Yeah. Um, and then self-care, internal and external. So doing things that are actual conscious self-care acts, whether that's actually changing the way you speak to yourself or whether it's taking yourself out for an evening or having a nice bath and all, you know, that stuff counts. Yeah. But the internal stuff, how you speak to yourself, what you, how you respond to yourself, how you judge yourself, changing those things into more loving, caring conversations mm -hmm. is also really important. How can we identify, how can we see that somebody may be struggling with mental health issues? Is there any signs, is there any telltale signs? Because some people are great at hiding it, right? Yeah. Um, but are there any signs where you can think, or you might be aware that look, this, this person may have mental health issues? Well, the first things that I, I do a workshop called What is Mental Health? Mm -hmm. And the, what I always say is, your mental health is your thoughts, your feelings and your behaviours. So your thoughts are the things that you think, your feelings are the sensations in your body, and your behaviours are what you do with that. Yeah. And if there are any major changes in any of those three, we're talking about something that's going on in your mental health. We all have that. You know, it's not that someone has mental health and someone doesn't. Like, we all have mental health. Like, yes. we all have bodies, we all have minds, we all have mental health. So what you're actually asking for is, when is someone in, on a mental health decline? Yes. When okay. is their mental health declining? Um, and the thing to look out for is changes or inconsistencies in any of those three things. So the way that they're thinking, thoughts are how we communicate. So you can hear when someone is slightly disorientated or disturbed because the things they may be talking about are either inconsistent or incongruent or, you know, they may start speaking in ways that you've never heard them speak before. They may start cancelling plans. That's a behaviour mm. really. But the, the excuses that come with that. Yeah. Feelings, if someone's all of a sudden seems sad, seems low, or seems manic. You know, when I do my stuff on depression, depression, and people talk about being sad and being low, but people who are um, very, working very hard and are a bit manic yeah. can also be very, very depressed. They're just functioning. And actually, they're probably going to suffer for longer because people don't see it. So any changes from normal yeah. um, in the emotional state of the person 
is a sign that there's a mental health change. Change. I like that. Okay, so everyone has mental health, right? But it's, it's a change yeah. or a decline. Yeah. And it's nice, it's nice how you can break it down and put it into those, okay, that context. Yeah. What about eating disorders? So pe- a lot of people have talked about eating disorders because they're trying to lose weight. They, you know, they, they, then they start binge eating yeah. and then they be sick. How could we maybe identify that? Um, okay, so you're talking about bulimia. Bulimia. Yeah. So, um, Sorry. Binging, purging, bulimia. Okay. Um, how do you identify that? Uh, eating disorders are tricky. They come up a lot. And I think it's because they are so secretive. Mm. And people are kind of... They, they, they can be happening for a long time before anyone's realised what's going on. We all will, you know, sneaking that little snack in the afternoon when you don't want anyone else to know that you've had a bar of chocolate. You know, we all do it. We all have a relationship with food. Um... The main external signs of eating disorders are things like weight gain, weight loss, um, eating in secret, overeating, undereating, all the standard stuff. But I suppose what you're really looking for is someone's attitude towards how they're eating. Are they eating to deprive and punish themselves or exercising to deprive and punish themselves? Or are, is their relationship with food one that is of love and nourishment? Because, you know, if I, if I think about my own eating disorder, there is no way when I was in it that I would have been able to eat um, say, I don't know, a chocolate bar in the middle of the afternoon without feeling I had to do something about that. Whereas nowadays, I'm quite happy to give myself that yeah. because it's a really nice thing to do every now and again. But it comes from a place of um, this is what I want and this is what I would like to treat myself to today yeah. um, rather than um, I have to do this because I need to change the way that I feel and I'm gonna, it's a punishment and I'm going to overeat on it or I'm going to undereat on it or I'm going to have to not have my dinner because I've had this um, you, snack. So do you think from that, let's just go to, to the training part of things, but do you then think if people then eat something they feel guilty about, then they have to train? Yeah, so people yeah. train so they can eat what they want, which I think is quite dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it's bulimia again. I mean, people think bulimia is just binging and purging, yeah. eating a lot and throwing it up, but... People purge through exercise, through starving, through laxatives. People purge through things like they might overeat and then, um, for example, undersleep. Yeah, okay. So they're awake and they're using their body a little bit more. Yeah. So it doesn't always look like an actual food-related behaviour. Interesting. Um, other people might eat a lot and then self-harm, and that's part of the purge. Yeah. Or uh, eat, a, eat a meal and have a very hot bath. And it's just whatever it is that's getting rid of the feelings about what you've eaten is classified as a purge. So it's a bulimic process, whether the person is actually vomiting or not. Wow. And there is certainly, well, in my, the sort of corner of the world that I work in, there is a lot of people working out because, so that they can eat or because they've eaten. And there's a really fine line between that being okay and that being a problematic behaviour. But when it becomes compulsive, when it becomes something that the person cannot do, so if they're skipping out on work, if they're cancelling social plans because they Mm. have to go to the gym, or they have to work out at home if they don't get a chance to go to the gym, then you're looking at something that's a bit uh, disordered. You're looking at something that's not a sort of healthy relationship with food and exercise. That's crazy, because there are so many... Without you putting it into context and just talking about it, I've now noticed someone that might do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's crazy. And you would say that that might be a part of your sort of mental health decline. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a way of coping with feelings. Wow. Yeah, it's so, a way of coping with uncomfortable So actually, emotions. it's much more common than what I thought. Yeah. Uh, it's really common. So why, how can we get out of the stigma? How can we sort of tell people, look, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to start, you know, doing something about it. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. 
I think the main thing is that we don't, it's not about stopping people doing it. Because if people don't speak up because they think someone's going to say, you can't do that anymore, yeah. or you shouldn't be doing that. And actually part of it, part of my work is understanding why this is so important to that person. Mm. You know, why has this behavior developed and why has it become their way of living and um, coping with their, their life, yeah. basically. And part of the stuff that I'm doing with the gyms that I'm working with is trying to create a space where the person with the actual problem can come forward. We get a lot of friends coming forward. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about my friend, she's under eating or he's overtraining. Um, that's very difficult because it, 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 other, aside from going to the person and saying your friend's worried about you, it's yes. a very difficult thing to support. But the, the person with the problem is often dishonest and doesn't come forward because they think someone's going to take away something from them. Yeah. And so it's seen as a as a bad thing it's seen as a shameful thing and i think if we can as a community start to try and understand it rather than stop it mm -hmm. and work with it because i think eating and exercise are really healthy things to be doing of course so we all need them yeah so if we can start to understand how to support someone in enjoying that part of their life and eating and exercising because they out of self-love rather yeah. than out of self-punishment then over time, you know, it's probably not going to happen in my lifetime, but hopefully over time, my children or my children's children will live in a society where someone can say, do you know what, I made myself sick last night, um, and someone else will just say, wow, what's going on? Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. How can we... Okay. The question that I really have is, if you've got an issue, like, genuine, like if you've got... If you're feeling sick, if you want to go and get help. Can you, if someone can't afford to pay for it, because look, therapy is really expensive. Yeah. It is very expensive. Is the, is the NHS as good? I shouldn't be, I'm not supposed to talk about the NHS <laughs> for certain reasons, but um, the NHS, does it provide adequate care and therapy that someone would actually need? Because it's great someone going, yeah, go to your local doctor, he'll get you to a therapist, but yeah. are they really as good as say, going to someone like on Harley Street or going to see someone private? I mean, oftentimes people will say that, you know, you'll get the same people on the NHS as you will privately, but you won't get them for as long. Okay. So the NHS will pay for 10 or 12 sessions, then you're done. Whereas if you go privately, you've got an open-ended, you've got an open-ended, you've got open-ended sessions. Yeah, okay. So, and the thing about therapy is that there's, as you start to uncover things, there's always more. It's part of the reason I love the job because yeah. it's never ending. You can you never stop finding out stuff about someone. Yeah. You know, I've got clients that I work with for ten weeks, and I've got clients that I've worked with for three years, and I've, it's the same. I have the same amount of interest and the same amount of um, attention on the person because you can never stop learning about what's going on in the person's mind and how they change and adapt and how they start to create who they want to be. Yeah. When you're working in the NHS. Uh, it's a bit more evidence-based, so they have to stick to particular protocols and they have to stick to particular time limits, mm -hmm. um, which is just how it is. And like if you go people, to a doctor's appointment, you've got 10 minutes with a consultant or with the doctor. Well, they'll have, you'll have the full 50 minutes. The therapy hour is 50 minutes. I, I'm not, I, don't, I once got asked why, yeah. and I'm not entirely sure. I think it must have been in the olden, like the old sort of Carl Jung, Freud days. They kind of came up with this, having this 10-minute break to write your notes in or something. Anyway, so the therapy hour is 50 minutes. You'll get that on the NHS but you won't get it for longer than, say, 12 sessions, okay. 16 sessions. Is that enough? Could can be. be. Can yeah. be enough. Yeah, yeah. Some people come into therapy and they get something and they're like, oh, that's all I needed. And Fair enough. They go. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Excuse my naivety, and I'm, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but mental health decline, could that be part of a chemical imbalance like within yeah. your body? 
Yeah, so you can Or is have... it something that we've experienced? I think it'd be both. I think, I mean, there's, what, there's two ways of looking at things like depression, which yeah. is a chemical imbalance. If it's an organic chemical imba- imbalance, there's mm-hmm. organic depression, there's reactive depression. Okay. And depression is probably the easiest one to talk about in, in response to that question. But all the mental health disorders, I think, even eating disorders, there are two camps. One is that it is a, uh, the way that your brain is functioning and you're going to le- need to learn to manage that for the rest of your life, a bit like having diabetes or asthma or something like that. Just something you're going to have to look after and, and know about yourself. And then there's another camp, which is something happens, it's really difficult, you don't know how to cope and you develop um, mis- misaligned coping mechanisms to help you get through it. The latter sometimes can turn into the former mm-hmm. so you can react to a thing have a trauma develop an unhealthy coping mechanism and then that's mis- that misbalances the chemicals in your mind wow. and then you end up with something that needs maybe medication or further support but some people particularly the work i've done with eating disorders um, the eating disorder has been a way of coping with a particular thing mm-hmm. and when that particular thing is solved it, the symptoms die down or go away or become much easier to, they become much more manageable, okay. basically. Can certain foods change the way, can lead to certain maybe depression or a chemical imbalance? Because obviously mm. you've got colours, sugars, mm-hmm. like certain, you know, you know if you eat something, it can make, make you feel a certain way. Yeah. Um, drugs, yeah. a massive thing as well. Yeah. I mean, we know that. Is there certain things that you can take in order to sort of maybe help reduce that or is there to help? that chemical imbalance. Well, I I worked with a nutritionist recently on a campaign and she was always talking about how, you know, your serotonin is created in the gut. I don't know a lot about nutrition. I'm not a nutritionist, but certainly if you are eating well, and we all know what eating well looks like. You should do by now, right? (laughs) But um, if you're eating well, you're certainly going to live a happier life. And on my in my book, that is partly down to when you are eating healthily, the message you're giving yourself is, I care enough to look after my diet. Yeah. So you're giving yourself an esteemable message. You are, you are naturally, and three times a day at least, reinforcing your self-worth. Mm-hmm. And that is ultimately, when we get down to it, the, 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 the crux of most of our mental health declines. Yeah. Everyone is just trying to find a way to feel good about themselves, to feel better about themselves. No one wants to feel less than, unworthy. You know, we're just trying, we're all trying to work on our self-esteem sure. consistently. And things like eating well and sleeping well and good self-care, even if you hate doing it, yeah. the fact that you're doing it means that you are up unconsciously or less consciously giving yourself the message that you do care and you are worth it. I love that. I suppose a lot about, you know, all these amazing guests and yourself, yeah. including here, yeah last year, yeah. um, how have you changed? How have you developed? How have you improved yourself or, you know, because obviously we're always going through our own mental health issues, we're always going through our own all mental health decline, whatever it might be. Yeah. So you will go ups and downs as well. How have you progressed? Because your journey has changed dramatically, like yeah. as in your profile has grown, yeah. you've done so much more work with gyms and God knows what else. Like tell us about your journey since we last saw each other. Yeah, it has been, so I saw you last May, I mean, my life has changed like 360. It's bonkers. If I think about this time last year, I'm just like, what? Literally this time last year, I was like, 
life's great, but it's a bit boring. It's a bit steady. I'd had a couple of really steady years and I was like, yeah, it's cool to be in like a proper job and whatever, but how am I going to spice up my year? And then in February last year, I started the Instagram account yeah. and it literally built, I can't remember what the time time span was, but it was, it's one of easily one of the fastest growing social media accounts that I've got my eyes on anyway. Yeah. I know I'm slightly biased, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's the thing. And off the back of that, off the back of this idea about a mental health workout, which, to be quite honest, I'm surprised no one else come up with it. Yeah, yeah, but sure. um, yeah, that kind of became my thing. Managed to get the trademark. Got invited into gyms like Robots and Barry's, um, doing some work with Lululemon. Um, and the, the sort of boutique fitness industry are really interested in it. I think because it makes it really easy to understand how to get that stuff into their brand. Yeah. You know, there is a trend around mental health at the moment. You know, and I, I think part of my kind of luck was that I happened to stumble across it at the same time as mental health was quite a trendy thing to be yeah. getting on board with. But people struggled with bringing it into their branding. People struggled with understanding how to make it authentic to, and, yeah. and authentic yeah. to them. Exactly. So I think the idea of the mental health workout meant that these fitness brands could go, actually, I can totally see how that works. Mm -hmm. You know, when you do that alongside that and you do that alongside that, then you're going to have a different effect to if you're just going to Barry's yeah. every day. You know, something like, don't go to Barry's every day. <laughs> but um, uh, it, has a, it, have, it has a different effect on how we look after ourselves. Why do you think you've become, it's become so successful? Um, I think part of it is that I'm quite interactive on the Instagram accounts. Yeah. Um, there are lots of mental health accounts out there, but they don't have much interaction with the person running them. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing is that I, um, what was I going to say? <laughs> uh, uh, I can't remember Sorry. what was the other thing. There was something else. Did the interaction. Uh, let me start that again. Can you ask yeah, a question Yeah, again? of course. Yeah. Uh, what was my question? Um, why do why you think it, it's been what, so Yeah, why do, so why do you think like your mental health worker has become so successful? I think part of it is that on the Instagram account, it's very interactive. So the yeah. followers vote for everything. Mostly. I mean, occasionally I'll do a post that hasn't been, you know, vetted by the followers, but it's because I think it's worthy of it. <laughs> but I do, everyone, they vote for the topics, they send in the questions, um, I respond, they know who's behind the post, they know who's behind the the, the account, whereas yeah. lots of other mental health accounts don't have a kind of a face, yeah. so to speak, or a person. Um, and I think people, in the olden days, you didn't get to know your therapist, mm -hmm. you, didn't, you weren't supposed to know anything about them, but the more investigation I've done, let's say, the more I've found that the society that we live in now, they actually want to know a little bit about the person that they're talking to because they know that I've got the qualifications, they can look that up. Yeah, that's yeah. easy. Yeah, but what they, what they don't necessarily know if, they don't know, if you don't know anything about your therapist or the person you're talking to, is that if they come from a personal, from personal experience as yeah. well, mm. which gives you a little bit more oh, gravitas. God, like if you ask anybody, like in business or you go for a job, I've got experience. Yeah. And that's exactly what they're asking you. Yeah. Like, have you got experience? So it's yeah. great you've got a qualification, but have you got experience? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what it, do you, do you have an understanding how I feel? Yeah. Um, and it's no good a therapist just doing the qualification going, I understand how you feel. Yeah. Well, you clearly don't. Yeah. Because you don't, no one would know how you feel. So, yeah. and if anyone hasn't seen Zoe's profile, like you are so personal about it. Like you ask the question, what do you guys want? Yeah. And I think you're asking, because you're asking the audience, you're not saying this is what you should do. You're yeah. saying, how can I help you? Yeah. And what is it you want to talk about? 
Yeah, and it's basically I've basically transferred, and I'm doing this with um, robots as well in particular, but I've transferred the idea, the concepts of a therapeutic space mm -hmm. onto the Instagram account and into the workout. And so I'm using stuff that I know is effective for people's psychology in different arenas, yeah. which is something that I don't think has been done before in the same way. The other thing is that there are lots of, you know, memes and GIFs and tiles that say things about yeah. mental health, but they don't explain how and why. Yes. And the why is really important. Yes. So I know I talk, I do a lot of videos and I kind of chat away about things and I'm sure not everyone watches them to the end, but I think I carry on doing it because I think there'll be someone out there who needs to understand the why in yeah. order to make this possible for them to do. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it is that as well, making it really, okay, this is, this is how you do it and this is why you do it. And then yes. people are like, oh, okay. Let me give that a try rather than like, oh, I have to do three affirmations a day because so-and-so said so. Yeah, not and now understanding why I do yeah. them. Yeah, and it's, it is, the why is the massive part, but the why is also the hardest part to understand. Yeah. Because you have to understand, like asking someone why, wow, that's, it's so hard. Yeah. But you have to be really true with yourself. Yeah. You have to be really honest with yourself. Why? Because I want to feel better. I want to get to a better place. Yeah. You know, I understand that I have these issues now. I need to talk about them. Yeah. Um, what else has been going on? I know you've got some exciting stuff, maybe the book. Yeah, yeah. so the book, so I started, so I wrote a, like a draft, your mental health workout book, because I thought I've got all this content, I'm just gonna put it, out. and then I thought this is a lot of work, never mind. <laughs> um, and then I was approached by quite a big publisher, um, just as I was deciding not to bother with it. Um, and I thought, oh, I'm gonna have to actually write a book. Um, so we are in the very early stages of getting the deal on the table, but the book is in it, the book has a draft already. Yeah. So we're hoping it will come out in May, 2021. My God. Um, because uh, that's Mental Health Awareness Month and we're gonna position it uh, coming up to summer mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So that's really exciting. Um, it's a lot of work writing a book for anyone who's thinking about writing a book. Seem, yeah, I mean, there's, I've had quite a few authors and yeah, it seems like a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, you have to really want to do it. But once I find that once I get sort of ticking along, it's, it's, it's okay. The hardest part is starting, right? Yeah. That, and it's like with anything in life, yeah. like with therapy, with training, whatever it might be, the hardest part is starting. Yeah. And once you've got into it, it's, it, just, it should just flow. Yeah. Um, what else is going on? Any, uh, so you've been to Rope, you've been into Barry's, you've, you're writing a book. Yeah. Anything else that can people expect from you this year? Um, what's going on this year? Well, I'm partnering with some retreats mm -hmm. this year, some festivals, which um, haven't been 100% confirmed, but they're pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they're going to happen. So yeah. that's really cool that people are starting to not just do like yoga retreats, but think about having someone like me there so that there's, yes, there is wellness and and holistic well-being yeah. but there's also an opportunity for people to think a little bit differently about how they treat themselves when they come back yeah. um, psychologically um, and carry on my work with robots mm -hmm. we are about to open a second site don't know if I just tell you that but <laughs> it's going to happen shortly yeah. um, so that's really exciting and that's expanding um, and I'm continuing to work with, with Barry's a little bit more behind the scenes. With robots, the difference is that the, the psychology is programmed into the workouts. Okay. Whereas with Barry's, I'm doing more work sort of consulting around the brand and just supporting clients and the team nice. around their own mental health. So it's just a bit more about softening the brand's um, approach to mental health. Um, and I've got some work lined up with some other gyms, some other sort of boutique places. So I'm just kind of positioning myself differently with, with each of them. Um, and the other thing I'm doing is, oh, the other thing I'm doing is working with Lululemon with some of their 
um, leadership team. Nice. Um, on on particular themes and topics, just to help them a little bit in that arena, because they have a really strong um, essence of psychology in their branding. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they've had someone before who can. Um, deliver it in the same way that I do. I mean, they've had other people in. Of course. But um, that's really exciting to me as well. And then, of course, I carry on my private practice and yeah. all the other bits and pieces, corporate workshops and whatnot. Um, yeah. What? Give me an idea of your routine. Like, you know, oh. is that okay to share it? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Give me an idea of your routine. So my time is kind of split between my private practice, which is obviously top of my priority list because those are my clients yeah. um, and the consulting work. So I do private practice like Monday, Tuesday, evening, afternoon, um, Wednesday all day and Friday morning. Mm -hmm. Thursdays are reserved for things like this. After this I'm going to robots, we've got a workshop and then I'll probably do a class and then do something personal in the evening. Yeah. Um, things like Monday mornings I'm often catch catching up on admin. Tuesday mornings I might go to the gym and then have a meeting and then see my clients, but it's kind of split, it's a little bit random. Yeah. Um, and occasionally, like this weekend for example, I've got a workshop on Saturday morning, so occasionally it drips into the weekend, but I have quite a strong boundary around working on weekends. <laughs> if people want to find out where you are and what you're doing, not without, not, I don't mean like stalking you, but yeah. like if people want to say, get some therapy or want to understand how, without going to a session, maybe they want to go to robots and try yeah, yeah. You know, the workout thing. Is it, have you got like a, a diary or a workshop or something that you says on your website to say, yeah. you can follow me here or find me here? So the easiest thing to do, I mean, the Instagram account is the most up to date, which mm. is at your mental health workout. Um, the website, there is a website, which is yourmentalhealthworkout.com, which has the workouts written out as a program. So people can watch the videos and read about why and you know, whatnot, that kind of thing. Sign up to the mailing list, yeah. we'll send you a copy of the book. Um, and then there's zoeaston.com, which is all like the <laughs> contact uh, information and how to book a session and partnerships and yeah. corporate things. Um, but the most up-to-date thing is always going to be the Instagram account. Yeah, okay. And that's a great way to, I think that's anyone that's out there at the moment struggling with mental health decline or wants to you know, have any issues at all and you sort of want to find some really good information, go over to, to Zoe's Instagram. It really is a great account. I mean, I follow it a lot. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't sort of try and get involved too much, even though I should. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. some people always say to me, oh, Nathan, you always, you always seem great, you always seem fine, you always yeah. seem happy. But that's not always the truth. Like, even though I'm always happy, I do have my down moments. Yeah. And even then, I should be able to reach out to somebody and say, hey, yeah. um, you should never feel ashamed of it or never feel embarrassed about it. Yeah. Um, Apart from the book and all these other things, where is it that you want to go? What is it that you, do you have a vision of like, you've got a book, you do all these great collaborations with people, is there like an end goal? Is there, you know, do you want to have like your own, yeah. I don't know, building of therapists? I don't, know. I don't know, you know, I've never really been, I've never been like a massive sort of end goal type of person. So, I mean, I'm very content with what's going on now. In fact, I'm having to kind of put, like not take on anything else. Yeah. Um, there's lots of really good things happening. It's really exciting. Um, I suppose my, the whole point of starting the Instagram account was to gain a little bit more of a public profile, which I've done and yeah. I plan to use to uh, continue to inspire people, whether that's through having them as clients and consulting or yeah. whether that's through just sharing a little bit of information and story um, more publicly, then I'm really happy with that yeah. you know I'm not I'm a very sort of go with the flow kind of person there are lots of exciting things that, are, that come in my way I do also believe in just kind of remaining open to opportunity do you think do you find it hard to say no to sometimes like you know an opportunity comes along you know you've got so much on your plate already do you think it's do you find it hard to say 
know like I've got enough on at the moment. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's hard though, isn't it, right? I do, I do. I find it hard to say no to new clients and I find it hard to say no to new projects. Yeah. But it's, you know, the reason I have such a capacity to do everything that I'm doing and show up and give as much as I give is that I look after myself really well and I have to make sure that that doesn't get compromised because when that gets compromised, then I am, I'm unable to give my clients um, or my teams what they need. Yeah, exactly. So I have to make sure that I'm getting enough sleep. I have to make sure that I keep up with my personal life. I have to make sure that, you know, my, my friends and my, my family have the same amount of attention. I'm really big on not letting work interrupt my sure. personal relationships. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really, really important. Um, same with sleep. I'm like, I won't work in the evening. After really? 8 o'clock, unless it's an absolute emergency, I have yeah. a real boundary around working in the evening. Good. Um, and I think those are the things that keep me really sane around it. But I do find it difficult to say no to no. stuff, particularly if it's like a really exciting thing. Yeah. Um, but I have, I have an agent now who's going to deal, who deal with all of that <laughs> there for you me. Go. So he kind of vets. He's like, yeah, you should do this. You should not do this. Amazing. So that's really helpful rather than me just saying yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thanks for listening. Zoe, it's been an absolute pleasure. And you. Uh, you know, maybe we'll do some more with my gym around the sure. corner. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great to you know to, you speak to the trainers in there. Uh, guys, thanks to London District Housing Limited. Thanks a lot for the sponsor. Guys, absolute pleasure. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Give it a thumbs up. Make a comment. Share. Go follow Zoe. The pro, yeah, her profile is absolutely brilliant. Thanks so much for coming Thanks back. Thanks for having me. Take care. See you later. See ya.